0: Worst case
1: scenario, job. you know, you could
0: go back. I'll go get, time. A, yeah,
1: I'll go get another job. Or you or can freelance, I'll freelance by myself and not with her. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wa- exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: But we did want exactly. Yeah, but we did want to try and work on projects together, um, so that we could essentially try and like make each of our ideas better.
2: You're listening to Well Fed. I'm your host, John Sarantino, a designer based out of New York, and on each episode, I sit down to talk with one of my creative heroes, individuals whose work, style, and ideas I admire and continue to be inspired by every day. We discuss their past, present, and everything in between. Hey, before we start, I'm trying out something new this season, and I need your help. I'll be releasing episodes every Tuesday until the final episode, and I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that I can keep up. I would love to get your feedback after every release, and I'll be giving away stickers and pins to everyone that helps out as a thank you. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share the podcast on social media. Take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram or Twitter at WellFedPodcasts, and I'll send you some good old-fashioned snail mail. With that, enjoy the episode. My guests on this episode are the Brooklyn-based design duo and founders of the creative studio, Little Troop. They've worked on and helped launch brands such as Billy, Girl Gaze, and Hilma, Noemi LaCause, and Jeremy Elliott. Thank you for joining me for this second time now on the podcast for season two. Um,
0: Thank you for having us. <laughs> uh,
2: we just spoke for five minutes or so and I didn't press record, so I just, <laughs> might as well just call that out now and let it out. Um, Jeremy, before I realized that I wasn't recording, I had asked, you both grew up in Australia Mm -hmm. and could you maybe retell me a little bit about your childhood and, and who Jeremy was, uh, in, in Australia?
1: Sure. So I grew up, uh, on the West coast in a city called Perth, uh, and Perth is well known for its sort of. Uh, you know, outdoors, beach-focused lifestyle. Um, you know, it's it feels almost like an oversized town when you're there, um, just because everyone's so chilled out, um, and work is really sort of secondary to you know just living life and, and enjoying um, you know the natural beauty of the city. And so, for me, my childhood was a lot of you know spending time outdoors, spending time at the beach, um, you know, playing sports with. Uh, kids in the street playing like backyard cricket. Uh, And yeah, just sort of um, enjoying, you know, holidaying in Australia as well. Like being able to take trips with the family around the country. Um, and, and so you
0: had a pretty idyllic childhood. Yeah, <laughs> it
1: was, it was. Jeremy's
0: house, parents' house is like one street back from the beach. Ooh, and it's yeah. like very, his, his family's incredible. And did yeah. you grow up
2: surfing and, and, and stuff like that? Or, or is was, that just like totally like stereotypical Australian that people get wrong sometimes? <laughs>
1: my, I did a little bit of surfing, but it wasn't like I wasn't getting up at, you know, 7am before school. Like my, my neighbour who was the same age as me, he would do that um, because his whole family was sort of, that was like the vibe. And a lot of people in my suburb did that. Um, But I I would go down the beach and just body surf or snorkel.
2: I mean, being up. a block away from the beach is amazing yeah. anyway. So. Mm.
1: The problem is you end up taking it for granted and sure, then yeah. suddenly you move to New York <laughs> and you're like,
2: eh, I can't go
1: to the beach <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. you, you <laughs> hear horror an
1: hour, you know, train rides. So. Yeah, you
2: hear horror stories of like Coney yeah. Island and yeah. the Rockaways or whatever. And you're like, ah, i got to get on the subway to get there now. Exactly. And stuff, so. and stuff. Um, you had made your way to going to school uh, Curtin University of Technology mm. and Media Design. And, um, you know, I'm curious what made you decide to go that direction, you know, Mm. was there anything before making the decision to go to school that you were, you know, interested in creatively or, you know, anything like that?
1: Mm. Yeah. So like, I didn't really know what I wanted to be throughout high school as you sort of start to put your, um, you know, your uni preferences together, Um, you know, a lot of people in my, my city sort of Perth is very dominated by the mining industry. And so a lot of people were sort of going down the engineering path and I, you know, did work experience at both an engineering and architecture firms and, um, you know, enjoyed elements of it, but sort of realized that neither were really, um, careers that I wanted to pursue. And then I ended up going and visiting my brother who lived in Melbourne at the time. Um, and one of his mates had, uh, just finished a multimedia degree at Swinburne, which is where Noemi went to school. And uh, he was just telling me about the, the types of things that they were doing. So like motion graphics, film and TV, like a little bit of, you know, film and TV kind of video work, um, graphic design, web stuff. And it was just like, it felt, it felt, it felt fun or or at least it sounded fun. Um, but it also sounded like a pretty good mix of, Different types of things you got, you know, access to, um, and so I went back to Perth and sort of researched options to do that. And Curtin was kind of the best place to do that, and so um, that sort of led me down that path. It was really just a—I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and you know, I, I did enjoy creative things growing up, and um, yeah, that was sort of where I, how I landed at Curtin. No, I
2: mean, you also mm. grew up in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah, I did.
2: Did you grow up anywhere near Perth?
0: Uh, no, I grew up on the opposite coast, basically, mm. um, Melbourne. I lived my whole life in Melbourne just before moving to, and that only changed when we moved to New York, so, yeah.
2: Were you also a block away from the beach in, in Melbourne?
0: <laughs> I actually was. I lived on, mm. well, but yeah. a lot of my childhood, I lived a block from the beach. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, We lived like on the Esplanade in a a suburb called St Kilda, and so, yeah, yeah. But I was much less of a sporty kid.
2: <laughs> not playing any no, rugby or cricket or anything No, like I was
0: just a kid like at school that would always find excuses not to be, not to be <laughs>
2: playing. She's untied. No. Can't run the mile. I'm yeah, out today. Yeah, can't exactly, exactly. Can't do it.
0: Today.
2: Um, you make your way to Swinburne.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: And what kind of, what raised your eye about that or what intrigued you about going to school for her?
0: So design, I had never really thought about until I was sort of around 15 and something in my design classes just started clicking and all of a sudden I was just really excited about it. And I think it was the one subject that I just like truly looked forward to and was just like super relaxed in and I just started to like really nerd out on it all. Um and I don't know, I think, I, I think there was like something about sort of magazines that attracted me to it and kind of the glamour of that world. And then I actually went to a really academic school and I think I was a little bit kind of, I didn't quite fit in into the academic world and I was a little bit kind of turned off how intense it got at times. And I think design for me was like this really nice class where I could just kind of like chill out and just like not take life as seriously so I kind of just um filled all of my like courses leading up to college or we call it university with like design heavy stuff as much as I could and um by the time it got to university I was like so ready just to like dive straight into it and I was really lucky that I had a really really good teacher in year 12 that um that really encouraged me and kind of guided me and um Swinburne was the top well one of the top three universities you could go to and it was generally out of like Swinburne Monash and RMIT and Swinburne so had, had a really strong focus on like industry placement. Um, so basically like in the fourth year of the degree, oh, sorry, third year of the degree, they actually placed students for six months as an optional thing in a real life um, studio. Um, and so I thought that was really cool. And they also had like an exchange program and some other cool things. So, yeah, I applied there and got in and loved it. You, yeah.
2: you mentioned this kind of program where they place you into studios. Mm-hmm. Is that when you started working with Binocular Studio?
0: No. So um, Studio Binocular was my first job straight when I, after I graduated. Okay. I worked um, the six-month placement, placement was at a tiny little graphic design studio called Chimera Design. Oh, I,
2: I was calling that Chimera, so I'm glad oh, you said yeah. that. Word. <laughs> it's like, ooh,
1: Chimera. <laughs>
0: And, you know, they were like the, a super humble, small little shop. We did a lot of sort of FMCG packaging for nice. um, Australian brands and sort of, you know, worked on, you know, in government and education kind of publication design and that sort of thing. But it was the perfect environment for me. It was just, you know, four or five people um, to really learn the basics and how like a studio ran and how to... Act and be in a studio sure, yeah. and just, like, observe people um, and learn how to, like, set up business cards for print, like, really, really basic stuff but in a really just, like, super fun, relaxed environment that I got a lot of one-on-one mentoring in as well. Like, they were really... You know, the, the studios that took part in this industry placement program, you know, it was they weren't really getting much out of it apart from, I guess, like a, a cheap junior designer. Sure, so yeah. they were always a sort of, they were always just like generally run by like really lovely people. Um, and Shamira was, yeah, like no exception. They were just like really, really lovely. I'm really, yeah, I think I'm really lucky that I, I did that.
2: That's cool. Jeremy... Yeah. Um, one of your first roles out of school was at BBDO, mm. and that's always—I mean, like—I think growing up in the creative industry, like BBDO is like the big ad, mm-hmm. you know, company. <laughs> totally. Like that's yeah. like their the budget's all there, and still to this day, they're doing amazing work. You know, is that mm. is that what you had in mind coming out of school?
1: Not really. Like I went through school not really knowing anything about advertising because I was just sort of, you know, my degree was more focused around, it it felt a little bit more around like the practical side of becoming a designer, like getting on the tools Mm -hmm. um, and learning those. Um, And so, you know, I wasn't sort of pining for a career in advertising. I just wanted to essentially get a job coming um, <laughs> yeah. out of school. And, um, and, you know, like especially in Perth, like the advertising scene isn't like it is in Melbourne. Melbourne's really sort of like the create. I would say probably the creative kind of like hub of Australia yeah. or at least like you know, with Sydney. Melbourne um, and,
0: and Perth are very different cities. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: Melbourne's a little bit more sort of like focused on art and culture and music yep. and, you know, that, that kind of vibe because they don't have very good beaches. Yeah. <laughs> but that's um, exactly the reason. That's, that's exactly yeah. why. The beaches um, suck yeah. in Melbourne. That's why. Yeah, so Everyone's just get, really creative yeah, about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I finished my degree in Perth and my brother and sister were in Melbourne, and I went and visited them just after the finishing uni. And they sort of said, while you're here, you know, why don't you try and get a job here and move here? Um, and I was like, well, that's actually a pretty good idea because Perth kind of, you know, I don't know, I was kind of just like not really doing anything. Um, and I got, yeah, like I ended up just applying for, you know, a junior designer role, um, not really knowing what. you know sort of the status of BBDO um, because it was in their digital studio the the job that I was going for and so um, yeah I I sort of you know was able to get that as like essentially like a trial um, and then it just sort of kept on going and going and turned into a full-time role and that was that was incredible because it was working on advertising stuff but in the digital studio with all digital creatives who sort of weren't you know sort of those traditional ad type creatives mm-hmm. they were you know it was very focused on like trying to create um amazing sort of like essentially flash experiences yeah, this interactive is back experiences, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah when flash was still really big mm-hmm. flash yeah exactly yep. so, I, worked yeah. At a, I worked at a job where flash when when they decided to derail flash yeah like we lost the, so much yeah. oh, <laughs> the ipad the ipad
1: basically killed flash yeah oh, um, yeah. but yeah so we were i was there in 2008 and so i would say for like a good couple of years before iPads and iPhones became everywhere. We were doing like really nice um, flash experience. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, BBDO was awesome because it was like going in there not really knowing anything about advertising the way that agencies are. It was like um, a really fun place to be. Like they would have big parties and everyone was just there basically to have fun. Um, which was a cool way to sort of get to know Melbourne as well as a city because there was lots of cool people working there. So you would end up, you know, I was fresh there. So it was, it was a good vibe. Mm.
2: Noemi, mm-hmm. you from Shimerick move on to Studio Binocular. Yes. And... At what point did the two of you cross paths?
0: Oh, not for yeah. years later. Oh, actually, no, sorry. We did meet while I was at uh, know, Yeah, while, no, while
1: you are at Binocular.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I started at Binocular after uni. I oh, got really, really lucky there too. It was just like a small studio where I just learned a ton and mm-hmm. they just had the best sense of humor. What kind of work were they doing? Um, Also like kind of pretty like standard stuff like, um, you know, working again like publication design for like universities and local government and we do like um, a little bit of work for like architects and other kind of um, like hairdressers and a few little fashion boutique fashion labels and that sort of stuff. So classic kind of very classic branding I learned like a little bit of web design there but their whole kind of approach was very much about um like finding the lighter side of life and like trying to inject humor into like mundane things Um, so like or, or how can we like make this undergraduate brochure for science like feel really fun for like young college kids um, so it was all kind of about trying to, like, pull out, like, the really where's the fun in this, like, mundane thing, um, which I think was such a huge lesson for me to learn so early. Um, so, you know, we'd work on kind of basic stuff, but we'd always have so much fun doing it just because, like, everyone in the studio was just, like, constantly laughing and was pretty close and it was really, really good vibes. So I was there for three. Three years when I met Jeremy, um, we met at, like, a young um, advertising party, um, like, put on for young creatives. Yeah,
1: like... People in adver- young people in advertising, <laughs> like there was like a um, some kind of organization that was sponsored by all of the ad agencies, yeah. In everyone,
2: just kind of shuffles in, yeah. yeah,
1: like, yeah
0: all the, you guys like, young, here. young yeah. kids, yeah, I mean, the
1: video crew, the gray crew, sure, yeah. you know, the yeah. DDB crew are all there, and, and
0: my friend just had basically worked. getting wasted.
1: Like, it it right. sounds like a big gang,
0: it sounds <laughs> like, yeah. like a
1: big yeah. design rival, <laughs> rival agencies. Now, everyone got along.
0: My um, best friend had work was working at gray at the time, and just like, come to this party with me and I was like i really don't really I'm not really into it like it was $35 entry and I was tired really <laughs> and the whole thing sort of sounded exhausting yeah. but I like begrudgingly went along and um and at like towards the end of the night um we like bumped into each other on the dance floor <laughs> and Ooh. hey I and, like that
1: typography on your shirt yeah <laughs> It was a doctor's and nurse-themed party. Yeah, so it was even themed. uh, Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. They had different themes, so there was, like, one where it was, like, animal-themed. or Yeah, GA should really
2: pick up on this. Yeah, Yeah, I know.
1: But um, there was some pretty memorable, like, other than us meeting that night, the thing that I'll always remember about that party is one of the organisers of it was dressed as a patient and wrapped in a lot of bandages. (laughs) um, Yeah. And there was like candles on the stage and his bandages that were all up his arm caught fire and he ended up having to go to the hospital for like burns. But there was something (laughs) just hilarious about the fact that there is an entire room of people dressed as doctors and nurses. Yet none of them are actually (laughs) actually helpful for this guy with his arm on fire. Creative types just taking
2: it another level and getting themselves in trouble. Yeah, Um,
0: exactly.
2: That's so funny. Yeah. it's themed, which is great. Yeah. Stop. Full stop right there. That's awesome.
0: It was fun. So yeah, we bumped each other there and then, um, the rest kind of history. We, I, a couple Mm. of weeks later I had a a trip booked with a couple of girlfriends to go to New York. Um, and so we were kind of dating up until the trip and then Jeremy wanted to go to a, a ran a music festival in Montreal. Yeah, my housemate time.
1: my housemate was doing a trip across North America and he was in Montreal at the time and said, come over to Montreal and go to this festival. And so I was like, cool, I'll just go to Montreal and, and skip past New York on the <laughs> way back um, and then ended up spending a few days with Naomi in New York.
0: Yeah, um, so we kind of hung out in New York in the middle of summer and had just the best time and... Came back to Melbourne, um, basically wanting to
1: move. Yeah, yeah. kind of like why don't yeah. we?
0: Because we already had a few friends that had moved over yeah. here from Melbourne, so it was like yeah. they'd made it seem really easy, and and so we kind of like yeah, it definitely wasn't
1: like a tourist trip to new york in terms of like, like we did tourist stuff but we weren't like staying in times square and shit like that so yeah we were hanging felt, out with
0: friends the whole time yeah so it was yeah. Cool like
1: bars. It, yeah exactly yeah. it felt like just a little less Room like mindset.
0: intimidating. yeah
1: you could, you could see you
0: start to see yourself like
1: i could do
2: this yeah
0: yeah we're like this could, yeah. this could be cool just to try out and so yeah. like six months later we moved over
1: yeah we moved so it was really like, quick yeah really yeah, well, far yeah wow. actually no we moved in
0: 9 months <laughs> in 9
1: months because yeah, yeah, we that's we right. ended up staying in Australia just for that summer cuz we didn't want to move to the summer winter in yeah. Austria, yeah. So, yeah, but, so we um, moved
0: in like March and and i think we'd plan to stay here for like a year and and just like yeah. have a bit of fun and, and see what happened we didn't really have like concrete plans but um well
1: like we want to stick it out make sure that we could you know find work and and yeah. you know yeah, I was gonna say, like going to the bother of moving let's try and stay for a year or minimum and then time just
2: Yeah. Yeah, You had mentioned it, it, you know, you had friends that had done the process before, Mm. so it sounded a little bit easier and attainable, but like what was part of that process? I guess same mindset where if I want to move somewhere, I'm like, okay, I got to find a job first Mm. and then like, Mm. I got to set these things up. Maybe what are some of the things that like, you know, were key things Mm. that you had to make sure were in line before you decided to move?
1: We were pretty organized. Like we spent that summer basically working on our portfolios and so by the time, and then Just before we sort of were flying over, we started, we we were pretty strategic. We, We started like hitting up studios that we wanted to work for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think
0: a, I, I'd, like, troll the internet trying to find Design studios in New yeah. York. But and we also had friends our, who recommended mate, yeah. places as well.
1: Yeah, like, um, we basically hit up everyone that we knew in New York and compiled a list of all the places that we worked for, uh, wanted to work for. But we
0: did go over without a job, like, we, yeah, without we, any oh, kind wow. of job. So it
1: was just, like, yeah. you just did it. But we hit the yeah. ground running. So, like, basically the fir- within, like, two days of being in New York, we were, like, basically, like, hitting up. Studios. We were just organizing, m- we were just spamming, like
0: mass sending our folio links <laughs> out. Well, what was and actually, we also, actually did that that um, URL.
1: Yeah, too. that was that actually is worth mentioning. I think. Yeah, like, we did this these, is like a
0: cute little trick for young designers, probably.
1: Yeah, we um, did these personalized um, websites for everyone that we applied to, okay. where there was a landing page before you got to. it. Our folios that said, "Hey studio, whatever, um, huh? you know, would love to work for you, or you know, would like to meet you guys because of these reasons, and like, sort of basically yeah. show that we had researched who they were and what type of work they were doing." And at
2: that point, it was just copy and paste, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes and you do
0: the wrong one. Yeah.
2: I've done that, I've done that oh a million times. It was it was just times. emails. Yeah, as yeah. yeah. I say, yeah, that. I, like, I say and- everyone now. I'm like, don't. Like rewrite an email, like yeah. you can use yeah. the same format, just rewrite it though, because no, I've no, done no, that so no. many times where the name yeah. is like, hello, Stefan <laughs> Sagmeister." Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, yeah right, sorry, right? just like,
0: shit, that's not Stefan <laughs>
2: <Thomas." laughs> yeah. Totally. And it's
0: made even worse when you send them the wrong link to like I know. the reason the anyway. Point, yeah. Well,
2: at that point you can like FTP really quickly. That's oh, true. sorry, wrong yeah, domain. Yeah, just take it down.
0: So we did that and a lot of works. studios like really loved that. I haven't seen that since actually. Well, no, we people had, in the world.
1: haven't applied for anything.
0: No I, no, I mean, I haven't seen just Design, designs, okay. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Um,
0: but anyway. So more of that. More yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that really worked. And within like a couple of weeks, we both had jobs, which was insane. Yeah. Um, It was like, we'd kind of assumed that we'd spend like a month kind of like partying and applying for jobs and stuff. But after a couple of weeks, like I was sitting at a desk.
2: Noemi, you you ended up at Pentagram. Yeah. Which is like, okay, landed first job, Pentagram. I know, crazy. Set the tone (laughs) for New York. Here we go.
0: I had no idea like the weight of what that meant as well. Like I honestly didn't really know that much Mm -hmm. about Pentagram. Um... And so I kind of like begrudgingly like ended up at a desk after two weeks of landing and I was like, okay, I guess. In the
1: basement. Yeah, actually, (laughs) yeah. In the pentagram basement.
0: We didn't have enough. There weren't enough um, like desks available when I first arrived there. So I actually started working initially in the basement of what um, where Pentagram used to be mm-hmm. um, in the Flatiron District, which was in an you know, old bank, and so I was working in like the basement of that had these like um, vaults, these Wasn't vaults like, yeah. where where they used to keep the money. I was like, <laughs> this is cool. I was, yeah. I mean, I actually thought it was kind of cool. The novelty wore off pretty quickly. Yeah, but, of course. <laughs> of <windows. laughs>
2: like it's dark and pretty secure down yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was fun though. I, I was definitely excited about being there. I just don't think I had any clue like how lucky I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were
2: you able to work with some of the principals there? Like,
0: Yeah, so I was working under Emily Overman yeah. um, and uh, that was an incredible experience. But there was a little bit of crossover sometimes. So, I mean, Michael Baruch's team was sitting right next to us and then Paula Sher was up one level so occasionally there'd be some crossover with projects and I'd get to work with them as well or get to work with their teams Um, but pretty quickly I started to realise kind of that I was around some like pretty big names and you know even... Even just little things like every week on a Friday, there'd be like a talk by like some sort of big profile designer who I'd only just be learning about, mm-hmm. but everyone else knew. Like, um, oh, you're going to go to the talk later? And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, who are they? <laughs> um, you know, just little things like that. Um, and just like pretty quickly realising that I was also working amongst like the other designers that I was working with were on a level that I'd never... Good okay. to be around them. Yeah, exactly. Jeremy, Same.
2: you you also work, uh, ended up at a studio uh, Fluid. Mm. And was that sort of, you know, was that like a key, you know, like intention behind from where you were coming from in Australia and doing the work that you did at BBDO? Yeah,
1: well, I wanted to work for, like, I wanted to work for more of a, a design a design shop rather than like an, an agency. Um, and so, you know, my search was to find somewhere that was really focused on just designing websites or digital experiences and Fluid were, you know, a product design shop doing a lot of e-com or just, you know, yeah, like e-com across basically any kind of um, experience, <coughs> whether it be a site or an app or whatever. Um, and so that was it was a really good sort of landing spot because it was small, probably only about 25 people in the New York office. And um, so it was a good way to sort of be introduced to New York where you could make friendships pretty quickly and sort of, um, you know, get a feeling of the work culture rather than being in sort of like a massive place that sort of just, you're just making up the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really good. And I was able to work on some, um, some good clients as well. Like they had, You know, the first project I worked on was Levi's.com, which was like, you know, I kind of, you know, I had access to good clients in Australia being at BBDO, but it was like, you know, designing shit for like M&M's like competitions (laughs) and like beer company, like promotions and stuff. And so to be able to like get a project that wasn't going to be like a two week or two to four week project, but more like a three to six month project um was kind of like interesting for me and it sort of I think it gave me a little bit more buy-in to the project you know as you sort of watching this design progress over time and getting to know the clients better and getting to know your team better
2: so to feel invested it's feel more invested especially when you have the like you know I'm sure we all own at least one pair of Levi's jeans you're like yeah yeah, this is cool yeah
1: yeah definitely there was that feeling of like really like big excitement and enthusiasm like going into work and it was probably you know spurred on by being in New York and sort of having that energy around you that is so like um, contagious when you first arrive Mm -hmm. Um, and so like it was it was really good Um, and I was there for like three years um, and you know as you know you know you end up wanting to explore other things yeah Yeah, you both shuffle
2: around and and Mm. end up working at Rowan co Mm -hmm. uh barbarian group Mm -hmm. firstborn uh you've worked with apple Mm -hmm. you know i guess through those years because we can go on and talk about each position Mm. there's so much Mm -hmm. work that is done at all those spots Mm -hmm. you know what are you learning about yourselves through that time you know like are there things that you're like, oh, I don't want to do this work, but I'd rather do that work, you know, like what totally. are some of the things that you're learning as creatives? And I guess, you know, it, just being in New York as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I I think it was really, really helpful for me to bounce around. Um, like Rowan Co for me was such an incredible learning experience. I learned so, so much there. I was there for two, two and a half years and kind of like started as a midweight designer and left as like an art director and... Um, that was really, really just huge for me, but it also made me realize that I didn't really want to work in kind of the fashion lifestyle branding (laughs) world as much. Like it, it was actually really fun on some levels, but it wasn't, I, I couldn't take it seriously and just like, it didn't fit my personality that well. I'm a little bit more, I just wasn't challenged by it. Um, and I think I'm a little bit like kind of, I just, sometimes I don't take design super seriously. I enjoy that part of design and just like having fun and making stuff that I think is like going to be, I don't know, a little bit more fun. (laughs) Um, and so that was like really helpful for me to, to realize pretty early on that I just, that I needed to kind of involve myself in projects that, um, that I that maybe had a little bit more depth and challenge to them, and then yeah, I kind of after Ronco kind of bounced around different small studios that had a similar vibe to Ronco actually, like Hugon Marie and Partners in Spade, and they kind of like made me realize, okay, cool, I've done this like small studio thing where the work's like enjoyable, but I think I want to go a little bigger or kind of be able to like approach projects. For clients, you know, with a little bit more autonomy. So, kind of like maybe, you know, the briefs might be similar, but I think the approach I really started wanting to like explore. Like, what if we were to do something just kind of random and fun, and that felt inherently like something I would want to be a part of. Um, And so then, then I started to do kind of a little bit bigger biggest broad strokes in, in my movements. So I went to Apple and I went to Google creative lab and those were two completely polar opposite experiences, but they really, like I went to San Fran, um, to work at Apple for three months. And so I was pretty, um, by myself there and kind of able to really just like get into my own head and, and meet like really different people. And, um, kind of just like really see how an organization like Apple works and was kind of thrown into the deep end there a little bit and just let myself um, let myself struggle some days and let myself realize some days that I actually knew what I was doing, which mm-hmm. was really nice. Sure. and but you can't I don't think I was able to grow and like see that from kind of staying in my comfort zone in little boutique studios and, and so I yeah, I'm really, really happy i did that and then google creative lab was insane and full of just like the complete opposite to apple and that it was just like apple was very quiet and polite and everything was like very about very much about being like precise and iterate really really like iterative but like in in much smaller ways whereas google creative lab there was like shit everywhere and like people were screaming (laughs) at each other and people were like making stuff that like they no one really knew if it was going to go anywhere but it was much more just like throw stuff at a wall see what sticks and just it was super super agile and I learned there like one of the biggest things I learned actually was like if you start building a deck for an idea eventually (laughs) it can that thing can actually become an idea like if you can start just like making it happen even in just like a google slides deck like that thing is gonna have to go somewhere at some point if you keep working at it and that was kind of like the brilliant thing at creative lab where it all of a sudden i mean it helped that you know it's google and they have cash to kind of play but um that was like one of the biggest lessons for me I think and and then after that I kind of just started getting projects that I could work on from home so I I at that point I was like I'd learned quite a lot of different types of skills and realized like oh, I I do want to work with these types of people or I I just kind of want to do my own thing for a little bit and then pull in this, like, total expert for this one thing and just started taking on projects and just approaching them in in however way, you know, felt like that I was still enjoying myself. Um, And then it kind of just... Went from there.
2: I'm gonna take that note about starting a deck and just use that from now on. I think that's yeah. I think that's so true though. If you like, yeah. you just kind of start one slide at a time, one you know, slide work at a time, it. and
0: and not be precious about it. Yeah. Just like put stuff on a page, even if you don't really know what it's doing there. Like yeah. give it a heading, yeah. and all of a sudden, like it just starts to become this like working document that like is super easily updatable and like. Yeah, for some reason, it just – it always – I do it – I use Google Docs for, like, everything now. And it always just becomes this, like, really nice thing. You can just, like, go to a link. Your stuff's there. You can move shit around really easily and, like, it it really helps, yeah.
2: Jeremy, where are you in all this process? Um, You know, where is New York taking you? What are you learning about yourself?
0: Um,
1: Like, I think coming from Australia where, Um, like – It felt like when you're a designer, you were sort of wearing a few more hats. It was less specialized than New York. You know, arriving here, it was like, I quickly got put into the box of a visual designer and then there was a UX designer who was sort of passing me wireframes or like, you know, the start, the building blocks of a website. And, you know, initially I really enjoyed that. And I was like, cool, I'm gonna like, you know, my skills are just going to get like better and better at being a visual designer. But then, you know, within I would say like a year or less than that, I was like, I want to be doing the UX, not because I want to be a UX designer, but I want to be making these decisions um, and have a little bit more control rather than sort of just receiving something down the line. And so as sort of, you know, I guess throughout that period of time, I was sort of angling to basically Become what I was back home, which is just that, just like a general web designer, where I was doing the UX and then I was doing the visual design, and um, I was able to make that happen um, just by essentially sort of volunteering and put putting my hand up and um, being you know as you sort of go up the ranks, being able to sort of you know assert some control over like who's doing what, um, and so that was. Um, For me, you know, getting exposed to sort of the UX design side of things was, you know, a learning experience in the sense that you're starting to get inside the head of a user a little bit more, um, especially when you're sort of working on conversion based products. Um, what's going to work and what's not going to work and then getting exposure to like user testing and trying to basically get my hand in on every part of the process up until development. Um, and so that was that was sort of my angle um, and just basically to have control over the design. Mm.
2: I, I think now, you know, I've, I've definitely gone through that same experience where you just sort of raising your hand because you want to get in that. But then, you know, at some point, You're like, yeah, my skills, my visual design skills are going to like ramp up a hundred times. And then in that year or two years, whatever it may take anyone, you're just like, oh, I think uh, I want to do something else now. And you're just like, okay, cool. And you start like seeking out those
1: opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I always loved like working on multiple projects at a time so that you don't, you know, so you don't get tired as quickly. Um, And so that was also like, I, I think, throughout all of my different jobs, I've had ups and downs where I've been stuck on clients for a long period of time. And then you get burnout and then other moments where you do get that sort of like high frequency turnover of stuff, which I sort of ended up basically enjoying more, um, you know, by the time I was sort of all said and done with agency work. Um, Having that variation to me sort of keeps the spark going a little bit longer yeah. um, even though you are getting sort of dragged around a little bit more and, you know, like when you're working on a project for six months or even 12 months, you can sort of fall into a bit of a, a, a comfort zone mm-hmm. um, where you're just sort of plugging away at the same thing. And um, I think it's important for agencies and studios to try and provide that turnover. And it's sometimes, you know, sometimes in places it's more talk than it really happens. You know, promises may not come to fruition. Come to fruition. And so that can be frustrating for sure. And I, you know, I definitely felt that um, from time to time. Um, And, you know, then that, that sort of starts your eye wandering to other opportunities as well. And I think that that's somewhat natural and, You know, I think people should probably, like, in my experience, I'm happy I pursued other opportunities and moved from studio to studio um, to try and get that, you know the different mix of work. And I've always liked, you know, peppered in a little bit of ad work here and there as well. Just side hustle. Exactly. Just, (laughs) you know, stuff to, so you're not always just designing a website. You're coming up with ideas for like a piece of content. I think it's also fun to be able to have access to not just here's a sketch files start, sure, yeah. you know, designing a th- designing boxes on a page, but like cards. Cards yeah. on a page <laughs> is exactly what comes <laughs> down to yeah. yeah,
2: Totally. when does the idea of working together start to pop up? Because
0: mm.
2: you know, I'm gonna definitely need a little bit of help navigating this leg because there's mm. you know, I'm sure there's crossover at plenty of times, mm. but when when does that become a conversation?
0: Yeah. So I had been freelancing for maybe one or two years. Um at home um and was kind of things were good, going really well and i was kind of able to like sleep in some days and like work from bed in the mornings and jeremy was <laughs> still kind of not sleeping in not sleeping <laughs> in and going to his like nine to five job um and i don't know you can speak for yourself i guess
1: well, I think you, the projects that you were working on were with clients that needed, like they were coming for branding, um, yeah. but then also would most likely need web design. Yeah, um, And so Noemi was designing sites. For a couple of these clients. And then, you know, throughout that, I was sort of coming home from work and giving her a hand with stuff. And we were working on some, some like very light stuff together. Yeah. Uh, And then that, I think, really sort of like it dawned on us like, hey, you know, your clients need websites. I design websites. <laughs> it's a pretty basic kind oh, of equation here. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on a second. Yeah, let me beyond yeah, it only took us, you know, seven years for us to realise that. No. <laughs> um, but you
0: also kind of our I skills complemented each to, other, right? I think coming towards the end of what you thought might be your experience, you know, your yeah. time at your previous. Um, it agency. was, yeah.
1: It wasn't a very long period of time from like when we we're like, okay, we should do this, to the point that I quit. Yeah. Like it was probably like two or three months where I was like, "Hey, this is this is a thing that we want to pursue." So I sort of just basically stayed at the agent at Firstborn until I think it was the end of that year, which was like a few months, and then um, handed in my notice, and then we were sort of basically working on projects together pretty quickly.
0: I think though we kind of didn't know really how it was going to go. Like I That's was getting true. a very solid flow of work coming in for the stuff that I was doing, but not all of it needed web design. And Jeremy had never been freelance before. And we were kind of like, let's just see how it goes. Let's just, mm. let's just do it. We're, we're never going to know mm. unless you Worst make Worst case scenario. Job. You know, you can go back I'll go time, get a, Yeah,
1: I'll go get another job. Or you can freelance. freelance by myself and not with her. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get uh, K- out off the couch it, or Exactly, something. yeah. yeah. But we did want to try and work on projects together um, so that we could essentially try and, like, make each of our ideas better. Um, yeah.
0: But I also, like, you know, I, I went into it pretty apprehensively, um, you know, we are husband and wife. And sure, yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't really have any plans to, like, go and work like we were very happy working in this space. It's like obviously got a lot of natural light and it's nice and big and kind of just like works for us. So we knew we were going to be spending a lot of hours together. That's true. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't know, let's just see how it goes. Like I don't really know, but let's just see. And and um, and it and it's worked out really well. In, initially the, there were definitely some... Um, It was, like, a bit of a teething period where we had to learn. I would say the first two months
1: um, there was, like, you know, flare-ups and things like that as we were both getting used to, like, okay, now we both want control over the ideas, you know, like we're both used to having control over the ideas in our previous life or whatever, and now we're, like, sharing that creative vision. Um, Mm. So we just basically, like, laid some ground rules out. Mm. Would you care um, to share? Because I think yeah. I mean I think yeah. all
2: of everything is, is everything you <laughs> yeah. said is super valid, right? You're spending a yeah. lot of time with each other, yeah. a lot of conversations outside of not just being in a relationship, a partnership, but now you're working together. So mm. then, you know share some ground rules, maybe. I know it was very naive
1: naive of us just to sort of throw ourselves into it without even really thinking about this. But you know, it's you learn it's as kind you of go. How we've but
0: lived our whole lives. That's true.
1: Like we never naive, really planned like, anything. Um, but um.
0: Yeah, I what, think when what, the what problems, well rules. the problems were actually like happened I think where the crossover in our skill set was. Mm-hmm. So like really random stuff like the design of a CTA button like <laughs> honestly that was where the like hover the, effect the enum- not expand <laughs> like the pixel shake. radius <laughs> Of the rounded edge on this CTA button. I would
2: pick up, I would do that. Uh, I,
0: we both had such strong opinions on it. Like I would, the, the beauty about working with your husband is that, you know, you can, you, you've got like a pretty easy flow of communication. There's also like, for me, outside of work, there's generally like no filter with whatever I'm saying to yeah. Jeremy. Like whatever is in my brain, those words, those words will come out yeah. and there will be no like moment of like, we were operating. Thought.
1: We were operating our like professional work the same way that we would operate our personal life, and so that's just
0: pretty did, brutal feedback. Yeah, like me. pretty
1: <laughs> brutal. Just like pretty brutal in terms of like respect to each other. Yeah, in ter- like turn ter- like either of us would be working on you know clearly focused on writing an email to a client or whatever and then the other one would just barge, no in, comes over barge and just slaps in and upside the head <laughs> what
2: are you doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> barge in
1: and be like i need you to look at this and it's like well now i just lost focus yeah. on this like whatever yeah. thing yeah. i was doing and so we we kind of quickly realized that that was in, in a workplace <laughs> You don't if you see someone sitting at their desk and they're focused on something, you're not gonna go up and annoy them. And if you are, it's gonna be with like, you know, tiptoes on and polite hey, you know, interruption right yeah, like, or oh. a slack message. Yeah, you're exactly. Like yeah. Slack messaging. And we like had book no in the time. Book in a like- time. And so we haven't gone as sort of structured as like putting stuff on our calendar for a chat, but we did introduce some structure which was yeah. like letting each other know what they needed to do for the day at the start of the day so that there was some kind of, or start of the week as well, just so that there were some expectations on what we needed to get done and get out and know if someone was busier than the other, know if someone's going to be used to more stressed than the other. And then like communicating to each other yeah. with respect to each other's time and focus and concentration, because that was something that we just took for granted. And, you know, it was something that when someone's, locked in in the zone, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of time for someone to get in the zone and they don't want interruptions. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that was something that we just weren't careful about at at the beginning and now we are. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, made it a, a lot more harmonious.
0: Yeah, it sounds super basic, but just very basic like ground rules. Realizing that we did need to like put our work hats on in the morning, um and and really treat each other like we would as if we were working in a proper work workplace. Yeah. Um that kind of instantly like solved so many problems for us. Yeah. So I, think I, I, I think that
2: makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, you know, everyone's always like, oh, it's super basic. But I'm like, our culture cannot say anything about emotions or feelings. That I makes know. sense. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That's the ground floor. Yeah. So, like, to just say, like, hey, you know, like, setting expectations early on in the morning, like when you're having a stand-up or something like that. Like exactly. An office, yeah. And then yeah. from there, it's like, cool. Or you just mentioned, hey, at 2 o'clock, we should probably talk about this. And totally. Just work. Exactly. Like, that all makes like ding 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 rings. It's like about. all communication mm. yeah. stuff. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then that made like creative reviews with each other or creative discussions with each other um, less intense, like mm. less tense in terms of less
0: reactive. React, yeah, less <laughs> like,
1: reactive, more considered yeah. because we were like um, you know sensitive to each uh, more mm. sensitive to each other's like position in that moment. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that has reflected in not just like our working relationship being a lot chiller, but also like, I think the work, the work that we're doing now is more collaborative. Um, and less just, like, you're doing one thing and I'm doing the other or whatever.
2: I want to make sure I kind of mention some of the work that you two, I think, have done. So this is the part I might need some help navigating. Yeah. Before I ask more about, like, the process and what you guys are looking to achieve now as, as a you know, studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but very much this year, I think a, a standout brand to me was the work for for Billy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And was that a project that you two were able to kind of collaborate on?
0: Now we, we are working together for a lot of Billy stuff, actually. So. I'm so jealous,
2: like... <laughs> If I, I don't really shave as it is, <laughs> but if I did, I'd be like, yeah, I want the stuff. Yeah. I want the-
0: <laughs> so Billy came, um, Billy were looking for a designer, basically started by two founders who were looking, um, to create a razor brand and needed someone to do all the design work and found me, I was um, freelancing at Partners in Spade at the time and, found me through that and um, I'd just gone freelance and working for a razor company at the time wasn't like my dream job but I met with (laughs) the founders and I could tell that they were going to let me do something that I thought was you know give me autonomy to kind of create what I wanted to, to make and so I kind of just like realized I had nothing to lose and kind of just created like this like what would be like the dream brand that I would like want to like be part of myself Mm -hmm. and so pitched it to them and they went with like pretty much whatever I presented they were like let's give it a shot let's go with it um and so Billy was born you know two or three years ago now two and a half years ago and um and so it it had become like my side retainer work, um, I'd go into the office, you know, one or two days a week or work remotely on a lot of the stuff they needed for launch and after launch. And then we hired a design and then they hired a full-time designer. Um, and kind of organically my role there as we grew, we grew pretty quickly. Um, and you know, someone needed to lead, lead the design team and kind of build that. So my role kind of organically moved into a creative director position there. And then when Jeremy went freelance, that hit at a really good time because we Mm. were looking to redo a lot of our digital stuff Mm. um, at Billy. And so pretty casually I kind of just like started giving Jeremy stuff that just needed to get done (laughs) that I didn't have time to do. And then um, we kind of moved into reimagining our current website and at that point I was like, this is a perfect project for Jeremy just to like mm. own and for me to kind of like work with him sure. to make sure that like the brand was being, you know, there was like equal parts commerce and brand um, working mm. as well together as possible and and it was perfect because Jeremy's background in e-com, he knows like best practice e-com like the back of his hand. He's worked on like Samsung.com mm. and like yeah. to Target.com and, and so I knew that um, it'd be a perfect project for, for us as like, you know, a team to be kind of bringing our two minds together on. Mm. And so Jeremy then started coming into the office as well. And and now Billy works with us as like little troop. Um, and we both kind of go into the office a couple of days a week.
2: That's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, you had mentioned that the founders pretty much were really open from the start and you mm. pitched them a bunch of stuff. Mm. What does that sort of, because, I mean, you've gone on to work with brands like Hilma and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Girl Gaze. Mm. And they all sort of have this, like, kind of underlying theme of, like, humor and design-centric mm. centric thinking and, mm-hmm. like, brand. Mm-hmm. What is a little bit of that process to, you know, I don't want to say disarm, but, like, how do you get an, a founder or a client on your side in that way? Mm. That when you do start to, like, that is the constant, like, you know, yeah. tiptoe dance that everyone is always totally. yeah know, interested in.
0: Totally. I think... Um... I think it's magic <laughs>
2: just, <saying>. just <laughs> say it. Uh,
0: you know what I think it's um I have a lot personally I have a lot to thank um my first studio force Studio binocular that introduced me to this idea that like injecting humor and delight and surprise into like everyday mundane things is actually like is not only the way to have more fun yourself designing mm. things, but it's also a way to, you know, the world is like a tough place. Mm. And it's a way to make just like really small moments a little bit more enjoyable. And um and so I think for me personally, like when it came to like pitching the work for Billy, it was well, Billy was like a perfect, a perfect brand pitch something like you know magic in the mundane which was like one of our one of our taglines now because it was something as mundane as razors and it was like perfectly primed like let's make this thing really really fun and there wasn't really any reason not to um it, it wasn't like a super deep you know really serious product it was Something that needed a little bit of an injection of like energy and freshness, mm-hmm. and so it was like this perfect clean slate that the founders were kind of down to 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 push um, creatively from the get go. And then from there, I think it's about it's about communication in those initial like concept pitch meetings. It's about kind of for me, it's about pulling references from the past and creating something that what we always go back to is creating something that feels equal parts familiar but fresh so like pulling references from you know like the 80s and 90s that we all inherently understand and like what if what did the most iconic version of that brand do back in the 80s and 90s that really worked for some reason and what's a way we can reimagine that and inject a little bit of humour and a little bit of fun and a little bit of colour mm-hmm. to make it feel like a completely new brand but that somehow strangely oddly feels like kind of familiar. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, convincing clients to push creative is like always a little bit tricky but I think I think we've also hit at a good time where it's becoming like pretty obvious that like the legacy brands do need to start shifting their game. I do and very much
2: agree with that too. Yeah. It's like now um, the the level is raised and everyone's like, "Well, we have a really good manufacturing line. Yeah. And we can make things really cheaply." Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, what's next?" It's like, "Well, design." I'm like, right. sitting "Here like, yes! yeah. yeah."
0: And we also hit a time I think for startups where, you know, we'd had like the Harrys and the Casper and all of that and they'd, you know, made a huge impact, but the market was becoming oversaturated with with startups that were just same same and it was starting to become really obvious that people were just like copying each other and i think the founders must have realized that at the right time and realized that we needed to push what we were doing and so they were open to it and same with a lot of our other clients i think mm. in the in the you know couple last couple of years i think it's become really really obvious that we that that you know we're just it's, we need to yeah mix it up and get get a little bit more creative. Completely. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm
2: excited to see the work that you two continue to produce. And um, like I said, I if I shaved a little bit more, probably I'd probably <laughs> be ordering from Billy because I do love the branding so much. But you know, as a studio now, um, after kind of talking about how you guys started, do you guys have any sort of goals or ideas of of what? want to achieve with Little Troop? Is it like, you know, keeping small and being able to have this kind of intimate connection with brands or is it like scale up and make Little Troop Big Troop? You know, like what's going on? Mm -hmm. Um, And if if it's early days, you know, feel free to cut me off. No, no, all good.
1: Like we like, honestly, we're not very like five year plan type of people. Um, And so we don't have like a, you know, like a deck for ourselves almost that like maps out our future, but we definitely like working just the two of us. I think, you know, there could be potential for us to grow as a team, Mm. Um, but I think it would be based on what, you know, work opportunities present themselves as well. If there's sort of demand there. Um, but we, yeah, we definitely don't have like grandiose visions of, of the company sort of turning into an agency or anything like that. I think we both have like feelings about, you know, Mm -mm. how (laughs) things can change as things scale and Mm -hmm. how things can, you know, you can sort of lose aspects of what make things great as that happens as well. Um, Mm. But yeah, in terms of the work, like we've done a lot in the last year like in our first year we've done a lot of sort of startup D2c brands coming off the back of you know uh, things like Billy. Um, and you know our goal is to try and sort of expand just, expand yeah. the type of work that we're doing beyond those type you know mm-hmm. those types of brands as well. So
0: yeah, I think we've kind of like, especially for Billy I think we feel like well I personally feel like Billy's as good as um as good as you can get from like the creative standpoint you know the the projects that I'm working on for Billy now are super exciting we're gonna put out a bunch of new stuff this year and we're working with we, we just worked on a shoot I just did a shoot for them and pulled in literally my favorite photographer in the entire world and so goals And yeah and so <laughs> in terms of like being able to do that for another D2C client I think for us it doesn't seem as exciting so we've started to kind of broaden a little bit the sorts of clients that we're pulling in so you know Girl Gaze is a good example of Mm. of that um that still has like a really good mission and um you know similar to Billy like the founder has like really really strong ties to kind of like empowering women and Mm. that's really cool and then we've just we've just taken on another project um for Dakota Johnson's new production company that she's starting. Um, it's called Tea Time and we're doing the website and um, and the identity for that, which is really cool. And, and we're starting to get projects in now that are actually kind of more in that entertainment world, kind of art world, designing for other designers, that sort of stuff, which I think for us um, is exciting because I think it moves a little bit away from... Designing just to push product, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which, which you know, at times can just get a little bit, um, yeah, just it's just a little bit constraining, I think. Um, yeah, creatively. it kind of goes back
1: to the conversation around the founders as well. Like, mm. we've definitely mm. noticed, um, a difference between
2: mm. the
1: top, you know, like working with someone like Girl Gaze. Uh, the ideas are, you know, like you're essentially sort of empowered to let the ideas just sort of like go where they take you, mm-hmm. and everything feel, you know, you know, f- you feel a little bit more empowered just to sort of like go a little bit more crazier, I guess yeah. you would say. Um, and we definitely, I think anyone kind of enjoys that.
0: Yeah. Um, but then, in terms of what we were going what we were saying before in terms of kind of growing the company, I think we're finding that there is a lot of strength in us being super like nimble and small and agile and able to just kind of like keep it really focused, but then pull in experts that can do what um, can do things better than us where necessary yeah. and where it works. So for example, the project we're doing for Dakota Johnson, we've just pulled in the most amazing animator. He just was actually a Young Guns winner um, to bring to life the the identity that she chose. And so he's designing kind of like a, a motion graphic for it. Um, in, a, you know, in a way that Jeremy, no, neither Jeremy and I could ever. <laughs> <Like, laughs> yeah, like, I haven't opened up After Effects in a exactly. while. Yeah, we've we'll been be sitting in set. After Effects for like sure, yeah. months trying to Keys get it right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And so we just kind of like asked him if he'd be interested and just hand it over to him and he's currently working on it and we're just so excited to see what he comes back with. So that's like I think for us and, you know, we've done that a few times where it's like, you know, maybe it's a photographer or maybe it's um, – Maybe it's someone to help us concept for a photo shoot or, um, mm. or you know, we might we could definitely hire an intern. Um, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes there are moments where we we are still working on the most granular stuff, and we realize yeah. that it's probably that's, not the best use of our having time.
2: Having that moment, yeah, yeah having that moment, yeah, yeah exactly. for sure. So I
0: think I think we are probably close this year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we were to hire hire an intern. Um, you heard it here first. Mm. <laughs> But but I think that's kind of what I actually see like the words like little troop meaning is that it's like we're really kind of small but we're able to like bring in like the – we're small and mighty. You know, we're Mm. able to bring in the right people to – to make up like what whatever the troop needs to be for each project. Team of
1: mercenaries.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, I,
2: I think you know I'm very excited to see some of the some of the work roll out soon and and um, see the new website littletroop.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just launched. Where can where can people find more of you two and you know some of the work and stay in touch with the work? Mm. Yeah. So yeah,
1: we just launched our website this week, but I guess by the time this is out, it would be a little you know. Yeah, you may have already seen it, hopefully. Um, Some more updates,
2: maybe. Yeah, but no,
1: we're definitely like rolling out more updates to the site over the Mm. next few months to keep it fresh, um, adding more work to it as projects go live. We've got some projects going live um, in the next month. Uh, and then you know, Insta um, Little Troop Inc on Insta is also a place that you can check out, like our work in progress stuff that we like to post on that.
0: Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best place, but yeah, we we like to post like kind of like I don't know a little bit more like kind of real content when it comes to kind of what we mm. what we're doing less and- curated, <laughs> sure,
2: yeah, but, um,
0: um, and. And yeah, and we'll be we we launch with I think three or four projects initially, yep. not many. Um, but we we going to be kind of like dropping projects as we're able to launch them. So whether it be about you know the literally the brand not launching yet and not being able to show anything, or mm. or just not having quite finished the case study for for one. So we'll be kind of like, um, yeah, you can you can stay up to date on our Instagram, um, to see kind of when they'll be they'll be made live.
2: Yeah. Noemi, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me
0: Oh my god, of course, thank Thanks. you so yeah. much It was a pleasure
2: This podcast is produced by me John Sorrentino out in Jersey City, New Jersey Editing, mixing, and music are all done by my friend Kevin Bendis in Greenpoint Brooklyn Definitely check him out You can find out more about WellFed and where to listen at WellFedPodcast.com or on social media at WellFedPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon.